Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome on into another edition of the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's always powered by kslsports.com. I'm your host and Utes insider, Trevor Allen, and we're going to take a step back and look back on the Utah spring game as well as spring camp for the Utes and also looking ahead to to the upcoming season and, and as well as the NFL draft. We bring in our Utah football insider, former Utah quarterback, Drew Lisk. Drew, how are you, man? Doing great, Trevor. How are you doing? Doing good. So you uh, took a little bit of uh, time off, uh, s- spent some time with the uh, family. So you were not at the almost renovated Rice Cycle Stadium, but you were able to get a chance to look back on that uh, that uh, spring game. I want to talk about the quarterbacks because that's your you know bread and butter. Um, Charlie Brewer looked really really good. He he didn't miss a pass. Um, ended up throwing two touchdowns. Just overall, what were your thoughts on his play as his, his debut at Utah? Yeah, you know, I thought he looked he looked like a guy who started for three or four years, um, as you would expect. A lot of completions. It's good to see. Uh, certainly the the no hit factor. You know, there's a couple plays here and there where, you know, someone comes up the middle or something, a free hitter. Um, and having that comfort of knowing you're not going to get hit changes things a little bit. Um, but, you know, he's, he's a guy that's played a lot, and it looks like that. Um, so... I think one of the biggest things when you talk about a quarterback, if you can trust a guy to drop back and complete a pass um, more times than not, that's going for positive yards. So just being efficient uh, 15 to 15 doesn't get any better than that hundred percent. So um, I, I, yeah, he, he was impressive. He was impressive. There was one play that stood out and I know that it was also the the catch on top of that. And we'll talk about Devon Vela here in a minute, but there was that throw deep downfield down onto the right side along the sideline where it landed in Devon Bailey's hands, but he had to he had to work to get that and was able to draw a PI, but still got the catch. I mean, just throws like that. I mean, it wasn't like Charlie was doing those little dink and dunks and you know the little five out out routes and things like that. Yeah, I mean, at this level, you, if you're going to win big games, you have to be able to you have to have the ability to complete balls down the field. Um, if not, then the defense can you know go sell all out, stop the run, and give up five yards on a completion and um, you know that it becomes very difficult to be efficient as an offense um, if you're unable to throw the ball down the field. Um, so 
like you mentioned, that was a great throw, great catch, but you know, it's good to see those completions downfield. Um, he had another good timing route on a little skinny post, um, to his left. Um, so that all that's good to see. And, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, you got to be able to throw the ball downfield. If not, then too easy to defend. So, um, hopefully, you know, he continues to show that. And, you know, when Cam comes back, he has that ability as well. So, you know, hopefully whoever's back there game one uh, for the Utes is, has that ability. That'll be big. You were a part of that uh, quarterback battle last year with uh, Jake Bentley and uh, Cam Rising. And there's going to be another quarterback battle this year. It's only down to two guys, Cam Rising and Charlie Brewer. But as you look at it, people are just saying, oh, it's another quarterback battle. But after seeing Charlie the way that he played, has that changed the way that you look at this quarterback battle heading into fall camp? It's it's tough to say, really. You know, Cam, Cam's been out. Um didn't get to practice all spring. That was, you know, that was a given. Uh, knew that ahead of time. So, you know, it's hard to say what he's going to be able to do. Hopefully, you know, I'm great friends with Cam. You know, I hope, I hope, I wish him the best and hope his, uh, I've talked to him a little bit. It sounds like he's coming along fairly well. So uh, hopefully, you know, at the end of the day, he's able to make a full recovery. Um, it probably just depends on, you know, how quick he's able to do that. And, um, you know, when he gets back, if, if, if the comfort level is there, the strength might be there, you know, hopefully, uh, develop. And fortunately I, ha- I never had an injury like that, but you know, things I've heard, you know, whether it be a quarterback pitchers, uh, in baseball, Tommy John serious surgeries like that. Um, it's, it's a lot more than just building up that strength. It's trusting kind of your motion and everything. Right. So, you know, trusting that feeling good, throwing the ball, um, we'll see how all that turns out and how quickly he's able to um, kind of get all that back. Hopefully the sooner the better um, for Cam's sake. Um, but, you know, Charlie, he did what he's supposed to do. He, uh, Cam is his, you know, competition um, for that job. So Cam was unable to participate this spring. So Charlie went out and played well still, right? You can't can't get comfortable. So um, hard to say, really, just because – no cam this spring. Um, so, you know, I hope, I hope the best for cam's health and, you know, whoever they, whoever they go with, I'm sure will will be a very capable and productive player. You mentioned you are friends with cam. Obviously you guys spent time in that, in that quarterback room together, you know, the last two years, something that has really kind of taken over the college football landscape and frankly, college sports in general. I mean, you look at college basketball and over 1500 players have entered the portal at some point in time over this last off season. And, and in college football, it, it seems like it's kind of become a big thing, too, especially when they're now allowing first time transfers to not have to sit out a year. Obviously, wouldn't fall into Cam's place, but just knowing Cam and, and maybe you've had, had this conversation, maybe you haven't. But either way, just you knowing Cam the way that you do, if Charlie Brewer wins that quarterback battle. And again, I hate to do the what ifs, but I know fans are already even talking about it. If, Cam, if Charlie wins that, that quarterback job, do you think Cam transfers? Um, I wouldn't say so. I, I really think Cam likes it here. Um, you know, he seems from what I've heard him say, you can just see it in him. Um, he, he loves being here. Um, he loves the guys on the team, loves being a part of it and loves competing. Um, you know, I've, I've heard from, you know, a couple guys that Cam was, he was a, like a coach on the field this spring when he was unable to compete. So, you know, he's not a guy that he doesn't get sour about things. Um, he's always got a great attitude and always wants to help out. Um, and especially, you know, understanding the situation he's coming out of uh, with the surgery and all. Um, I, I would be surprised. I think Cam, 
Kim is a guy that, you know, he's been here a couple of years now. He, he's bought in for sure. He's a hard worker. He doesn't, doesn't question things, complain. He shows up. Um, so, I, I mean, I think, I think he's a guy that sticks around, um, especially understanding, you know, that if, if that is the case, you know, an extra year or so for him to not have to feel that stress of feeling like I have to go now and maybe getting to ease back into it a little bit. Um, probably wouldn't hurt if, if, if he's not able to be quite a hundred percent back to normal by the time fall camp rolls around. I, I want to get your thoughts on, on some of the other quarterbacks who, who played in that game. Charlie only played in that, in that first half. And then, um, but also Peter Costelli started for the, the uh, black team, you know, throw, throwing the freshman right into the fire. But uh, I, I felt like he had some good strength points and I, I felt like that there were some things I need to work on, but he's also a freshman didn't play, you know, a 2020 season in, in a mission Viejo because of COVID. So just all in all, what, what did you think of his play in that spring game? First and foremost, like you said, he's a freshman, right? He's should be graduating high school probably this week or something or not even yet. Right. Yeah. So uh, he's, he's an early guy. Um, you know, I think, like you said, he showed some flashes of he can throw the ball, right. He's got strong arm. Um, he, that deep ball first play of the game, you know, that was right on the money. Um, so, you know, he looked good. He made some good throws, good throws on the run. Um, you know, I thought he had pretty good, good awareness in the pocket for the most part. You know, he felt, felt some rush, moved a little bit, got out a couple times, threw the ball away. Um, even a completion extending the play looked pretty good. Um, you know, I thought, I thought maybe a little bit, a little bit kind of um, not choppy, but a little bit jerkish herkish jerkish movements in the pocket that you know uh, coach Ludd works with us all the time on that kind of stuff that you know get those a little bit more under control stay in a good a good passing passing position and um you know I, I thought he looked pretty good though overall um he's he's obviously a good athlete I think everyone knew that and he showed it uh, a couple of throws on the run and you know I would, I, I would imagine he gets nothing but better as as time goes on and then when uh, Charlie did go out of the game, uh, they brought in Quinden Jackson, the uh, Texas transfer, and he he's kind of been known as that as that running back or as like a, a running type quarterback. I mean, he ended up trucking a dude you know, on one of the runs, and he also was trying to show his his arm strength a little bit. I mean, it wasn't really completely accurate, but he was. I, I thought he was really really good for a guy who has only has one division one year under his belt from when he was at Texas, but didn't play. What did you think of his play? Yeah. I mean, I think, like you said, strong arm for sure. Great, great runner. Um, definitely, you know, he's, he gets back there and if nothing's open, he can, he can pull it down and make something happen. He showed that, um, you know, like you said, you like the downfield throw definitely showing off the arm strength. Um, it's gotta be in the right situation though. Right. You know? Um, so I think, you know, young guy, as you, again, under Coach Ludd, he knows what he's doing. He's going to coach you up. He's going to, you know, he's going to have you thinking the right way when you get out there on the field. Um, so I think, again, with uh, time under him and the program and the system is only going to help him. Obviously, he's got he's got the ability to run, run people over, make people miss, um, strong arm, you know, probably a little bit of room, you know, just to – Maybe because sometimes as a quarterback, right, you have to be able to complete some passes. Like, yeah, it's great. Obviously, it's great if you can do more things with your legs. Um, but first and foremost, job as a quarterback is 
you got to have somebody back there you can trust to get the ball to the receivers on time, accuracy, those kind of things, um, which I think he has the ability to. Um, it just you, that's one of those things that will hopefully continue to develop um, over the next year or so. Talking to former Utah quarterback Drew Lisk here on the Crimson Corner podcast. Now, I, I want to talk about the running backs. Bernard only had, you know, a couple of carries, but they were taken away due to penalties. So we didn't really get to see him much, even though Kyle Whittingham has raved about him in, in a spring ball. But uh, as far as the transfers coming in at LSU, you've got Chris Curry, and then you also have the uh, OU transfer in TJ Pledger. Both, I thought, played really, really well. What were your thoughts on them? Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Like you said, uh, Makai didn't get – he didn't have a ton of touches. Um, but for me, you know, I, he's someone that I was around for – you know, two years. So I've seen what he can do. I know he's a great player. So, um, and I know the guys there, Utah, the coaches, the players, they know that. Um, so didn't necessarily need to probably see him get a ton of touches to know what he's capable of. Uh, the new guys, like you said, Pudger and uh, Curry, I thought they looked really good. Again, you could see kind of just instinctive running ability between the tackles, uh, making some good cuts, being patient, waiting for the hole to develop. Um, I thought that was really good. Uh, both so showed the ability to make guys miss too, and then get out in open space a little, a little bit. So um, I, I thought they both looked really well, and looks like um, another year of <laughs> some depth and quality running back um, production at that position. So should be exciting. Well, not only that, they have one more guy from the uh, 2021 class who hasn't joined them yet. He's joining them during during the summer in in a Ricky Parks, and then they just picked up a junior college. Uh, running back from uh, Independence Community College. Have you ever seen the the uh, Netflix show Last Chance You? I've seen bits and pieces. I've never like sat down and watched it um, episode by episode, but I've I've seen bits and pieces that I know of it. So, so yeah, the running backs coming from colleges that was highlighted on that. So that he'll he'll be coming in hopefully later this year. As far as the wide receivers go, we know of what Britton Covey could do. We know what Solomon Enos can do. They didn't really do much. Britton Covey was more just talking smack on the Pac-10 Network <laughs> broadcast because he was mic'd up. Which, by the way, just straight funny, entertaining guy. But we also did not see Cole Fotheringham and Brant Keithy as you would you know imagine because you don't want to injure them. So that kind of gave some of these younger guys some reps out there at, you know, the wide opposition, do you feel like they may have solidified some of the, the depth questions from spring ball, especially with Devon Bailey's play? Yeah, he looked good, right? Definitely. Like we touched on earlier that, that catch down the field, he's probably, you know, he's one of those guys in that room in my years there, he might have the best flat out ball skills in the room. Um, just talented can go up and get it. He can jump like crazy. He's already tall. His ball skills are great. Um, I think the one thing, you know, that you want to see from him is just that consistency, that reliability and being in the right place all the time and being able to, you know, bring down every ball that you should. Right. And, um, you know, it looks like he made strides in the spring. Uh, so that's that's good to see because he's a playmaker for sure. Um, if they can get production from him, that'd be huge because um, he's got the potential. Um you know, a lot, a couple guys too, right? A couple of defensive transfers, um, or switching from the defense side of the ball to receiver. Um, so that that takes a little bit of time too. But like you said, Devon, Devon stepping up, that was that was good to see on Saturday. If I were to say, Drew, after watching the spring game, give me a couple of standouts from the offensive side and a couple of standouts from on defense. So guys who just stood out to you, just whether it was just of how they played or you know the way they. They handled themselves out on the field. Who would you who would you point out? 
Yeah, offensively, I mean, Charlie obviously played good, 15 of 15. That's can't really ask for much more there. Um, Devon, I didn't even mention that catching the end zone, the pass yeah. from uh, Brewer. Yeah, like the bobbled one, yeah. Yeah, talk about ball skills, right? That's someone you, he's back there. Um, he's not necessarily open, but if you throw it up there, he can be. Um, and he was able to make a play. So I think offensively, he's probably the biggest standout just from a guy that doesn't get talked about a lot. Um and made some big plays and that's that's good to see especially for that position where you know there's some questions as far as outside of the top two or three guys that have been around you know who who else is going to step up and be able to make some plays uh defensively um Trey Reynolds number 37 for the red team linebacker he stood out he was he was everywhere in my opinion he was making a lot of plays a lot of tackles um involved around the ball um you know obviously um Devin wasn't playing for either team. Lloyd, um, no surprise there. But you know, if they if they got a couple couple of guys that behind him that can step up at that position and play the other spots, obviously you got Nephi um, at linebacker. So that should be a pretty pretty strong position group. Um, so yeah, I mean, I thought it was I thought it was, they looked overall looked pretty good, right? Um, for a spring game, it stood out to me also from a. I guess, a uh, game perspective, setting perspective, you know, it's usually cover two, four-man rush every play during the spring game. That that wasn't the case this year. So I uh, got to see a little bit more real football, um, kind of let it loose a little bit. So that was, it was fun to watch. Something that I want, I want to point out to you, because I know you're not as, you know, active on Twitter and all that, but there's this uh, outlet called Pro Football Focus. They uh, put out their, their their top returning players in college football at each position group. For the linebackers, Devin Lloyd was not mentioned. I actually did see that. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I would say that I'm going to find out say that's wrong. Uh, first of all, I, I think that's that that's fairly obvious. Yeah, I don't I don't think I think what was it like the top five or six? If uh, yeah, if 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 someone doesn't have him on that list, they're they probably should be fired <laughs> uh, either that or, you, you know, that someone's not doing their homework um, and he's, he's overlooked. Um, obviously he deserves that recognition. Um, I don't think he's, he might lose sleep over it in the fact that he's going to be putting in more work to prove him wrong. Um, you know, whether that's not going to affect how, yeah, he, he's going to have a great year and, the fact that he was not on that list is again crazy, and um, if as if he needed even more motivation, there you go. <laughs> well, and Devin, so, De- Devin even said on Twitter, he said it's just more more fuel to the fire, and 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 then use the hashtag ring season. So that says it all. That says it all. I'm I'm bought into that. So uh, never have to question his his fire and drive. So. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> well, I, I know that all good things must come to an end at some point, and this past NFL draft was the first time since 2011 that a Utah player was not taken. Why is that? Because none of them went to the draft. They all they all chose to come back for, you know, to try and get a ring. As you sit here now, I'm going to ask you two different questions. One, how many Utah football players will get drafted in the 2022 NFL draft? goodness um what did we have that year when um was that was zach two, and julian and all that, that three year, two years ago yeah yeah, yeah it was seven guys 19, seven guys i'd say at least seven i bet i bet we matched i would say we matched that number this year um 
possible. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say seven. <clears throat> I think it's – I think, you know, with the amount of guys that came back last year, um, the talent's there. You know, you might get a, a guy or two leave a little early. Um, some guys that could have finished last year that decided to come back, like you mentioned. I think I think seven is absolutely realistic. Um, there's a lot of talent on that team, so I wouldn't be shocked at all. I mean, you'd have Mika Tafua, Vianney Mawala, I know Kyla said is is one of the best tackles on defense in the entire Pac-12, and I believe it. That dude's huge. He's like lucky to absolutely. I think. Um, but and then obviously Devin, Brant, Nick Ford, especially because he's so versatile on the offensive line. That's five guys right there. Is there others that you think could get drafted that are that are, you know, kind of sneaky picks? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, Cole, Cole is a great player. He does it all, uh, Fotheringham. He's got mm-hmm. great size. I w- I wouldn't be surprised to see a team, you know, take a chance on him. He, he's a great blocker and pass catcher. Um, so he's a guy that would have a chance, I would think. Um, I don't know. What's Clark? Would Clark be eligible yet or not? No, because uh, Clark would need, I think, two more years. Two more years. Okay, yeah. So – um, a guy like he, he'll, he'll end up getting drafted at at some point in time. Oh right, right. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of who who, who all is eligible. Um, I mean, a guy like Nephi. I think I he's going to say Nephi drafted. Yeah. So, um, and I'm sure I'm I'm sure I'm missing uh, some guys too that have a chance. And you know, with a full season, any any guy can take his draft stock from unheard of or untalked about and draft to you know fourth fifth rounder. So. Yeah, we, we we mentioned five that are about a lock, right? So I think seven, seven seems reasonable. <laughs> and then ju- just to add on to that, talking about the younger guys, upwards of how many guys do you think who's on the roster now, no matter how many years it, it, it takes them, will have their name called on draft day in the next three years? Wow. Next three years. Um, again, I don't know. I haven't seen a whole lot outside of the spring game or I don't know a whole lot about the guys that just came in. Um, but you know, you take, you take six or seven this year, another to be conservative three or four of the next. I mean, I, I think we're looking at 15, 15 to 20 guys over the next three years, potentially. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're, the talent has been there and it looks like kind of the bar that's being set for the talent that's continuing to come in is, continuing to be raised so i mean yeah i think 15 to 20 honestly could happen i know that you mentioned uh some guys could really shoot up especially with you know a full year and and a guy who did that and i know we don't like to talk about byu on this podcast but we will anyway (laughs) is zach wilson from byu um he shot up the boards from that 2020 covid year ended up going number two to, to the jets you happen to have zach wilson as your wide receiver in jv football at jordan high school is that true? That is true. That is true. So before he went to Corner Canyon, he was at uh he was at the he was an old beat digger for I guess about half a school year um during football season there. So yeah, he he meant he's not a good athlete as you've seen. So he's a good asset there on the uh on the J V squad. <laughs> I was gonna say, was he one of your uh big time targets in J V? Yeah, I mean, I had him. Uh, there's a guy, Crew Wakely, who played quarterback there at Jordan after me, who's up at Utah State now. Um, he played receiver JV for me. Um, you know, a couple – Isaiah Jackson is a receiver that ended up playing for me, playing with me in varsities at Weaver State now. 
I had we we put up some points <laughs> in the JV games. We put up some points. <laughs> oh, I bet we had some guys. Are you shocked at how quick Zach shot up the boards and ended up going number two to the Jets? And I know the Jets are not really a sexy name when it comes to going to a team. Yeah, you know, hopefully, you, you know, you you even though he's a BYU guy, he's a local Utah guy, you know, you kind of, you want to pull for him and hope he does well, just because it helps, helps everyone here. It just helps kind of up the level of respect of kind of the, the athletes here. Um, I think if you would have told me that he was going number two overall a year ago, I would have been like, there's no way. Um, I mean, he's certainly a talented player. Right. And I think, um, from, from what I've heard, he's kind of really grown up and matured over the last couple of years, which is which is obviously good and will be needed very much uh, going to New York because, uh, as you can see, in New York, I don't know if you're – I don't know how much, how closely you follow baseball, but, I mean, Francisco Lindor, one of the best players in the game, right, gets off to a terrible start, and they just signed him a 10-year, $340 million deal, and they're booing him a month into the season. I mean – the the pressure there is it's real. <laughs> so if if things don't come out of the gate smoothly and off to a good start, uh, he could be tested. So you know, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't start that way. But you know, it takes more than one guy to to turn a franchise around. So um, I don't think it's it's not going to be easy right out of the gate. So um, hopefully, hopefully he's got it in him and the fortitude to stick with it and be tough and resilient and um, you know. Hope the Jets just haven't been that good right lately. So um, they got they got some work to do, I'm sure. And like I mentioned, not an easy place to be. Not great. Yeah. <laughs> they have they have high expectations, and if you don't meet them, they'll let you know. So I know that you mentioned that him being at you know BYU and not really rooting for him. But the thing is, Zach did not play well against Utah in any of the times that he started. Right? Yeah, he didn't. Um, you know, like I said, I think he did make some big strides this year from the previous years, but also he probably didn't play – he didn't play a defense as good as Utah's defense all year this year, right? Um, so, you know, there's – when you play good teams, it's not as easy to play – to have – put up the numbers and perform as well. So, um, you know, I don't know. People can have <laughs> read into it what you want to read into, but, uh, yeah, I mean – Certainly the schedule probably helped them as a whole throughout the whole year. Um, but that doesn't take anything away from him. He's a talented player for sure. So oh, oh, I, I honestly, genuinely hope he does well. So, Final thing, and then I, I will cut you loose. Uh, I hear around town you're going to be filling in some big shoes on Friday in the Utah Social Open. I guess Kyle Whittingham had to bail out, and so they went with the uh, next best thing, Drew Lisk. Um, maybe not the next big thing, but, uh, I just happened to be the guy that, that Brit, you know, sent a text to, to see if, if I could fill in. So couldn't pass up that opportunity. I, I had never heard of the event and it sounds like, right. They just started it last year. Apparently is what I've heard. Um, and seen, I keep up with, you know, follow them on Twitter, see a bunch of people talking about it. And, you know, there's, it's a deep, there's like over 200 people playing in it and, people are gearing up and ready to go. So I got to bring my A game. (laughs) Hopefully I can contribute a few shots. I think obviously I know Britt's very good. And I think uh, his other friend that's playing with us, I've never met him before. Supposedly he's pretty good. So uh, hopefully go out have a good time. And, you know, like I said, maybe I'll hit hit a drive far and straight and we can use that ball. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I just hope that uh, people don't walk up to you and say, you're not Kyle Whittingham. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd probably, that'd be a pretty big, pretty big disappointment there. Uh, if that's what they're expected. So as long as you don't have to show them your calves, right? Yeah, exactly. I should wear pants probably. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, Drew, uh, I really hope that you have fun in the Utah Social Open, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely catch up with you down the line. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course. Always a pleasure. All right, there you go. That is former Utah quarterback Drew Lisk and our Utah football correspondent here on the Crimson Corner Podcast. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.